Microphone check, one, two, one, two. Good stuff. Let's see if YouTube starts streaming automatically. It says starting. I'll wait until it says started in the past tense. All right, so YouTube says we're live. We got uh, a couple mods in here, in case anyone posts any stilly stuff, like naked pictures. And uh, today, I'm basically answering the question, aside from what I get asked from chat, as to whether one should become a programmer or not. So first I'll confirm that everyone can hear me. Everybody says working good and fine. So I get this question a lot. Should I become a programmer? And I think that it's, an, it's a malformed question. It leaves out a lot of important things, right? So if, you're, if you learn to be a therapist, I, I'm not a therapist, but I, I trained as a life coach. And one of the things that we were taught was when people ask you questions or tell you about their problems, they usually don't know what their problems actually are, and they usually don't uh, know what it is that's holding them back. And so if you, if, if you accept their frame, then you'll lead them down the wrong path because they're not asking you the right question, and they're probably not asking it in a way that's answerable. So there's a famous quote that says, you know, forming a question in the right way is half the distance to the answer, pretty much. And as a human being, it's even harder or more important because you're gonna feel what you focus on. And if you ask bad questions, you're gonna have bad feelings, no matter what. So if I ask you, you know, what's really good about today? You're gonna answer that. You're gonna have things pop into your head that you feel strongly about. Well, you know, it's not raining. My house uh, isn't, you know, leaking water inside my body works properly, whatever your answer is. But if I were to ask you a crappy question, like, uh, you know, how bad do you feel about not buying Google when, it, when you first became aware of it? Or how bad do you feel for not buying Bitcoin when you first heard about it? Well, then no matter what the answer is, you're gonna feel bad, right? So the magic to progress and feeling good at the same time is asking smart, empowering questions and then, you know, phrasing them in a way you can act on. Right? So, you know, how could I, how could I lose weight? That's an okay question. How could I get healthier? That's a better question. How could I get healthier while enjoying the process? That's an even better question. And the better your questions get, the better your answers are going to get. So when people say, should I become a programmer? Well, that's a means to an end. I mean, it's not really an end emotionally, right? So why do you want to become a programmer? Is it because you want to become wealthy? Is it because you're interested in the technology? Is it because you know someone that you consider a role model that says it's important or without saying it just does it and therefore you feel it's important? And so, you know, any question of the form, should I do X really needs to address what you're trying to achieve by doing X. So let's take the should I become a programmer question? I think that a lot of people uh, see that billions and billions and billions of dollars are going to the people who build the software and found the companies that build the software that's, quote, eating the world. So from a financial perspective, I can understand why people want to become programmers. And the term programmers actually a little bit of a misnomer. Back when computers were more simple, you know, programmer meant a lot more. But now that we've added so many layers of abstraction on top, you have to basically specialize in a layer. 
So if you write assembly code and firmware drivers and BIOS for hardware, right? That's one level above writing the microprocessor code that's in the CPU, like the MEI, uh, Intel's management interface. You know, someone wrote that, that's code. And then someone designed what was being turned from ideas into lith lithography into an actual piece of hardware. And that's another level underneath. And then you've got the guys that build tools for those guys, the DevOps guys, well, the system software guys. So you could either build languages and understand computer science and complexity theory, or you could design CPUs, or you could design firmware that uh, goes in CPUs, or you could design uh, firmware that goes in BIOS, which gets in between CPUs and you know, the rest of the system, or you could write actual software that kind of runs in the OS, or you could write operating systems themselves, or you could write apps, which live on top of all those, or you could use frameworks that make it easier for you to release a product without knowing any of those other things. And so the world is so complex now that when you say, should I become a programmer? It almost doesn't mean anything because you have to choose your level of complexity that you want to interact at. So if you're, if you're artistically inclined, then you may do better on user interaction, user experience, what's referred to as UI UX, because it has more of a graphical feel. If you're more of a, a theory person and, and you like, you know, thinking about ideas and you're okay with like staring at a problem and just staring at it for a very, very long time, then probably the lower levels of abstraction could suit you. So, so let's take, so this means that the phrase, should I be a programmer? One, you need to address what's your goal, right? Is being a programmer your goal? Is being rich your goal? Is being a programmer your goal or is just getting smarter, right? Like you have to know why you're doing it. Then once you've discovered why, you have to choose a spot on the stack. Do you wanna be closer to the user, farther from the user? Do you wanna empower other developers? Then uh, at some point, you're gonna to have to decide if you are going to write code, you're gonna to need to learn some languages. And the languages that are the most useful for actually building things are also not the most useful for teaching, right? So if I wanted to teach you how to play American football, I probably wouldn't get out the clipboard and start drawing X's and O's and lines and, and getting super advanced with you. I'd probably just start with a ball and hut, right? And programming's the same way. So lang computer languages are similar to human normal spoken languages. There's tons of them, but they're all kind of meant to serve the same purpose. As a matter of fact, the purpose that they serve is so interchangeable that we have a term that describes all of the computer languages, which are able to do all of the things. And they're called Turing complete after Alan Turing. So you can do anything in a Turing complete language that you can do in any other Turing complete language. Sometimes it's just a lot easier uh, and doesn't require as much hard work. So there's a funny saying called Greenspun's 10th law, which is funny because there's not a one to nine. They just started at 10 for fun. And it says something to the effect that any sufficiently advanced software project will have an ad hoc poorly documented version of common lisp written in it and the reason that that statement exists is because as you develop and you run into problems you tend to want solutions that aren't there and then when you want to implement those solutions you either have to search the whole world to see if anyone else has already solved it which is very time consuming because these guys don't spend a lot of time marketing right they're, they're busy coding so you don't really know what's out there. You know, maybe someone else already did solve your problem, but you didn't search the right terms or he didn't do the right marketing and, and you don't find each other until you found out that 
you save, you solve the same problem twice. So the cool thing about Lisp, in my opinion, and, and I am biased because I learned this in middle school when I was, you know, 12 years old. I'm not sure sixth grade, whatever sixth grade is in America, you know, uh, we learned a scheme in sixth grade. So I use a lot of parentheses and I like macros and I like uh, recursion. And so basically a macro is if you if you have to write code, well, that's one thing, but you could also write code that writes code and treat the software like data. And that's the maximum flexibility that can possibly exist. And that has a plus side and a minus side. So the plus side is you can dream up anything imaginable and do it. But the minus side is it's really hard to pick up where other people left off because they also dreamt at the edges of their ability. And so you find less collaboration and more like, uh, I think started and stopped projects basically, the more powerful the language is because there's less guide rails and those less guide rails make it harder for people to, uh, to cooperate because you've got to basically sync someone up more because they, they started less down your path, right? Cause your path is so much more different. Whereas things that are more simple that don't have so much, uh, functional macro based stuff. Uh, it's a lot easier to get up to speed on because you know everyone's starting at a very similar place. And uh, you've also got kind of whatever won the battle, right? And so this designing of languages thing has been around for a really long time. And sometimes worse languages win. And, you know, the amount of better a different language could be is not ever better enough to cancel out all of the transition costs, right? So it wouldn't make sense to switch. So in summary, if you want to become a developer, know why you want to do it. And you should probably stop asking whether you want to learn or not and just read a little bit. So every day I read a couple pages of Hacker News, which is news.ycombinator.com because it's the most dense collection of intelligent human beings that I've ever found. It has extremely high signal to noise ratio. And if you try and be funny, they ban you. So it's not a place for funny. If you, if you try and be funny there or political, you're going to get banned. And that's the reason that community still has value because they've banned so many people. Uh, and you know, you may not be, you might have to endure a ban before you realize the, the strictness of the situation. I know I have, <laughs> I, uh, I like to, uh, be extreme. So it's easy for me to get banned places, which is why I like to talk amongst my own community because I'm not going to ban myself and we can talk about whatever's interesting. And, you know, I maintain the high signal to noise. Uh, so, you know, you could stop thinking about why you want to be a developer and stop thinking about whether it's a good choice and actually just learn some code, right. And get a whole low world out there. I'm like, if I were to learn a language now, it would be common lisp or closure or something very functional um, because I, I believe in the power. Now, what's the downside to that? If you were looking for a job, you're probably gonna get less job offers. If you were uh, looking to work with other people, it reduces the number of people you can cooperate with because there's not as many people on that paradigm. And uh, there's a chance that you go down the same path as most other people did and you know, you run into less libraries that you can use, you know, do you really want to write your own method to use multiprocessors? You'd rather plug that in, right? Do you really want to write your own way to talk to the network card? You'd rather drop that in, right? And then you find out that certain ecosystems have a lot more components that you don't have to build yourself. And so, you know, there's, there's wild popularity with JavaScript because it is the language of the browser. And because JavaScript's the language of the browser and because everything is uh, browser-based or more things should be, I, I love browser-based things, which I'll explain in a minute why, then you, you kind of have to learn JavaScript anyway to run things on people's clients, their web browsers. And so if you've already had to learn it and you already know it, well, then you discover, oh, well, now we can have JavaScript servers and, you know, you end up with node.js and, 
apparently the Ethereum EVM uh, also is very JavaScripty, right? Now, real hardcore computer science bros that maybe know more than one language, they're not happy about the whole world being JavaScripty. It's kind of like Eternal September when the internet had a very high signal to noise ratio because you had to be real smart to use it. And then AOL kept sending out disks and kids would, uh, would uh, you know, get summer vacation or come back from summer vacation in September. And then Usenet uh, would fill up with idiots. And then basically as soon as the internet, you know, got popular enough, it lowered the signal to noise ratio of the whole thing. So there's a lot more stupid people. And it's very hard to maintain a community free of the noise of stupid people and unfunny people because they're so much more numerous. And so communities will come and go. Dig came and went. Reddit kind of came and went. Uh, it's, it's very hard to maintain a high signal to noise ratio. Like even this video that I'm making now, to some degree, some portion of people watching are stupid and they'll go on Hacker News and be stupid. And to some small degree, hopefully a very small one, um, some moderators over there are going to have to endure some extra stupidity. But I have a lot of very smart people that uh, listen and interact with me and my channel. So I think that uh, of any live stream that could be happening, this is probably one of the highest signal to noise ones that could perhaps pump new blood into the Hacker News ecosystem. So you have to choose your level on the stack. You have to know why you want to do it. There's a difference between different languages. The most powerful languages let you treat uh, the code as data so that you can make other programs which manipulate that data. Um, there's pluses and minuses to that. And you're better off just learning some code and trying it to see if you like it than you are constantly thinking about it. There's more than enough resources drop a thread or search that forum I mentioned, and you're going to find a whole lot of how to get started stuff. And, uh, yeah, I'll take some questions from, uh, the chat and then I'll show you, I guess the most, uh, prolific hacker keyboard. Let me click chat here. I wonder if my escape works on this keyboard. All right. Starting from the top. Actually, let's start from the bottom. You guys have probably been waiting a good long while. The 150 at 1 a.m. in here. Snurlax, a developer, says, Python is widespread in academia. JavaScript, Node.js, and TypeScript are good for front-ends GUI. Ruby is better. PHP and for performant applications, you should look into something like Go, Rust, or any C variant. Yeah, if you're asking the question, should I become a developer? That's all Greek to you. You don't know what any of that stuff means or, or how those things are related to each other. <laughs> all right, uh, let's scroll up here. Yeah, see my chat is so smart that they're already hardcore arguing about languages so I guess I'll, I'll cover something. So if you read Hacker News every day, but you're not a developer, you're going to learn which systems work better for certain things, even though you might not be able to personally implement them, right? So you can learn why Linux needs rebooted less than Windows, or you can learn why having the driver ecosystem of Windows is always going to be better for video than the driver system of Linux, right? Because they serve the 90% of their customers that are on Windows long before they serve the 10% of their customers that are on Linux. And that's like a, a big overestimate as well. Desktop Linux, probably not anywhere near 10%. So one of the big uh, inside jokes, I guess Eternal September is an inside joke. Another inside joke would be what's better, Vim or Emacs? So I would choose Emacs because I love outlines and nesting and collapsing and expanding things. And there's a plugin for Emacs called Org Mode, which is fantastic. And you can hack the browser up with that same Lisp language 
that I was telling you is the most powerful language. And then uh, there's another system called Vim. And uh, these are just two text editors. But if you write code for a living, staring at text editors is what you're going to be doing, right? Um, because code is text. So Vim uses weird arrow keys. So uh, these keys here, right next to the, on the home row, are up, down, left, and right, which doesn't mirror anything you've done with gaming on your left hand, where it's ASD, uh, WASD, or anything you've done with your right hand in the normal arrow pad. So it's, it's harder to learn the arrow keys. You can buy special keycaps that have it on there or tape them on there or just learn it. Um, anyway, so Vim versus Emacs Wars is like an inside programmer joke. Greenspun's 10th rule, inside joke. Uh, everyone chanting, why don't you make a macro for that in Emacs? Because it's so customizable that you end up like customizing it so much after using it for years that to start over would be a nightmare, right? Programmer inside jokes. All right, let's take a look here. People say they feel like they're on a date with me, I assume because of the beautiful romantic candles. Hello, everyone. I said that I would wear my, uh, my bling bling gangster necklace. This is it. This is a fist crushing money made of diamonds and white gold. I have a trademark, a service mark on this, this little vector graphic here. And then we've got our white gold and diamond bling bling. I used to like be more materialistic. So this, uh, that you see now is less, I'm less materialistic now, but if you're, uh, you know, if you're going to be a public figure and be silly, well, I guess you guys like all the silly shit, so I guess I'm going to be doing it. I've already got all the stuff, so I might as well like turn it on and use it. All right. It's it's uh, a little bit slower scrolling through everybody's uh, hacker speak here. James Bond says, Richard loves to interact with chat. Yeah, man. Like when I'm thinking deep new thoughts straight out of my head, it kind of consumes my consciousness to deliver it well. And it's hard for me to be interrupted with paying attention to other people's in-depth thoughts. Watch Elon Musk on stage sometime and see how much he breaks eye contact and looks into space. It's just what happens when you're smart and generating new ideas on the fly. Is Richard a programmer? Eh, not really. It could be. Um, I think I think that I would do much better finding people that have got 20 years of experience being better than me than starting off at a 20-year deficit and then like harnessing my smarts. So I, I think it's much more intelligent to scale with people that are already better than you, uh, even if it's at lower margin, than to try and scale personally you know, to limited effect, you know, did, did, how much of Windows did, wow, how much of Windows, why don't I know his name right now? <laughs> I forgot, Bill Gates, how much of Windows did Bill Gates write? Not that much, right? Maybe he wrote some of DOS, but did that make his project work less well or more well, right? So I, I don't think if you have the ability to find intelligent developers and work with them and, and limit the scope and make their lives good and not, you know, have them waste a lot of time and give them interesting problems and, and an interesting framework to solve them in, I think that's much more scalable and intelligent than trying to become a developer at this tender age. I might still do it for fun anyway, but it wouldn't be anything mission critical. Richard, please post the link. I think someone already posted it. News.ycombinator.com. I'll do some funny, let's all look smart. Let's use radio operator code. Uh, November Echo uh, Whiskey Sierra dot. I'm not sure the code for dot. I should learn that. Yankee, Charlie, Oscar, Mike, Bravo. India, November, 
Tango, Oscar Romeo. I'm gonna skip the letter in there. Y Combinator. Dot com. Charlie Oscar Mike. Um. Yeah. So during World War II, they had to cooperate between people of different languages. And for instance, in German, nine. English number nine sounds a lot like a lot like German no, which is also nine. So they invented a phonetic radio alphabet so that you could talk to other people without getting misspellings. So I think there's more than one phonetic system, but that's the one I learned. It's on Wikipedia. Linux. Funny thing about Linux, right? Linux is actually GNU Linux, but no one knows that because GNU got screwed on marketing. So GNU is a free open source software. Not all open source software is free. Just because you can read the source and edit the source doesn't mean that you can't just like close it and screw the next guy. So some licenses let you screw the next guy and restrict him. And some licenses require that you treat the next guy as you were treated in regards to, hey, I got this stuff, then I changed it, now you can change it. And that comes down to a long time ago, uh, there was a printer that uh, needed to work differently, but they wouldn't open source and let the programmers that were using it fix it. And then uh, it basically started the digital rights management war regarding uh, software control. It's a tragedy of the commons that in software, free software can't buy ads because it's free. So you're busy always trying to find a way to, to make money to you know keep the lights on. And then the for-profit companies hire all your good talent with more money, out-advertise you with more money, train and onboard people with more money. So there's huge, gigantic advantages to being a closed source software company. Um, and only in rare cases has open source, which most people confuse with free software. It is not. Uh, free software is more of a social movement, uh, whereas open source is more of a, you know, not. They're not, they're not about the politics, basically. If you're a media creator, you're using Windows or Apple because you need drivers for all your peripherals and you're just not going to get them on Linux. Go down the list here. Do I think 2018 will be the year of the BTC fork? What's your take on BTC Gold? I don't know. I think I think BTC Gold is a pre-mined kind of airdrop-ish kind of coin, but since it has replay protection, I support all of those. You know, if you want to roll out a new crypto project and onboard all of the existing BTC holders uh, to like prime your ecosystem and you're willing to pay, quote, pay with tokens, well, cool, you know? I prefer that to not onboarding the BTC guys and then losing, uh, you know, losing mindshare and market share to, to stupider projects that are farther from the most secure one, which is Bitcoin. Scrolling through chat. Surprisingly few visitors in here. 163 is like lower than normal. I don't know whether Bitcoin price is doing something crazy or I suck. Or because I'm streaming the way I am, I'm not getting accurate logs. Richard is the Lady Gaga of cryptocurrency space. Compliment. Well, thank you, sir. She is very talented. Fashionable and good singer without auto-tune. Good piano player too, I think. I like the gold stuff in the background. Me too. It's uh, you know, if you look up castles and presidential offices of the entire world except America, kind of looks like this stuff minus the throne chair, I guess. A lot of gold gilding, 
a lot of uh, candles, a lot of chandeliers. This stuff's been around for hundreds of years. <laughs> so funny. I just reread the, I feel like I'm on a date comment. Somebody's talking about Python and TensorFlow for deep learning. Yeah, if you're going to do machine learning, uh, TensorFlow is the best open source way to do it. And then if you need to glue together your parts, people use Python to glue their parts together. So a lot of times you'll have one programming language that's good at one thing, and then another one that's good at something else. And you use both. Basically, ah, yeah. Okay, so this, this is super important. And I forgot to mention it earlier. If, uh, if you're a photographer, there's two kinds of photographers. There's gearheads that just love to talk about lenses and cameras and sensors, but they don't spend much time shooting. And then there's artists that just treat the camera like a tool and shoot a lot. And so the people that shoot a lot know better about composition, getting the model to do what you want, um, body posture, lighting, all that stuff because none of that stuff comes with the camera in the user manual, right? So the, the, pro, the, the ability to make really good photos has much, much more to do with everything that's not the tool. So the camera itself is a very small part of making something beautiful. Um, you know, if you think that what this is is pretty, it's not really because of the camera. It's because of everything that's not the camera. It's the angle of the lights. It's the, the framing, right? It's obeying the rule of thirds. There's a lot of, a lot of things that are very sciencey that allow you to make good art. And uh, there's a lot of artsy things that allow you to make good science. So it's best if you can know both. It's also very useful to know that most people do not know both. They know one or the other. So if you're gonna get your pictures taken, don't go to the guy with the most cameras or the most lenses. Go to the guy that cares about, you know, the picture more than the tool. Just like keyboards, right? Don't, don't care about the guy that worships the tool. It's a mistake. Um, I happen to be good before the mistake, but if I weren't good before the mistake, this fetish of having a really good tool would bring me farther from progress, right? Because you'd be much better off learning how to use the tool better, right? With uh, hand positioning and stuff like that than you would be with a better tool. Programming is the same way. You would be much better off learning how to program better in whatever language you know than you would be by learning more languages. And it's the same case with uh, language and human languages. You're better off learning how to say better things in the language you know than you are learning how to say the same stupid stuff 15 different ways. So don't learn more languages. Learn how to use better the one you know. Don't buy more cameras. Learn how to use better the one you know. Don't buy more keyboards. Learn how to use better the one that you know. Once you become a master and you just feel like screwing around and having the best of a thing, you know, you're not concerned as much with performance, then you can entertain tool fetishism more. I kind of like having the best of stuff. So I've got the best screwdrivers, the best everything that I can find, right? Pareto efficient. If something's like way outside of reasonable price, I'm not going to screw with it. Going up the list here. My programming background, I just learned Scheme in elementary school and read Hacker News every day. So I understand a lot about frameworks, editors, uh, version management, Scrum, Agile. I know a lot more about developing than some developers because I'm learning about tools and they're writing code. So I might know more about the tools of coding than someone that is a great coder because they're busy being good at coding. Instead of memorizing different ways to do things, they're actually doing the things. So from this perspective, I would make an ideal generalist or human resource guy that hires people. You know, I know how to test people. I know how to give a fizz buzz. I know I, I do generalism very, very, very well. And I think because of the marketing, crypto, 
it's kind of a perfect storm for like if you're a really good dev and you want to build something amazing message me and i'm working on truly amazing stuff and you can see it and you'll like it you know um and the cool thing building building really cool stuff doesn't matter if no one ever uses it writing a really good book doesn't matter if no one ever reads it so part of being really good at anything is finding the other half right so you could be the world's best basketball player but if you never get signed because your manager didn't do a good job then it's a tragedy not something wonderful if you're a really good developer and your project never gets used by many people because the marketing wasn't there or the scope creep just destroyed it so you guys ran out of money before you you hit market or once you hit market you didn't find fit and you didn't pivot fast enough i mean i could go down a list of ways i mean i've had failed soft projects i've i've hired developers before i've lost a million dollars on it i mean i've i've been through the mistakes to learn what's better and what's worse Anyway, long story short, if you're a dev and you want to make a difference in the world and, and have your code used, you probably already know that just writing good code isn't enough. You got to get in people's hands. You got to onboard them. You got to train them. It's, uh, it's more than just writing code, like anything. What's a fizz buzz? So remember when I was telling you that you have to choose where on the stack you're going to get good? Many, 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 many people will leave computer science university or their coder boot camp or their personal reading. And then you have to have a quick and easy way, preferably a minimum time consuming way to tell the difference between a bullshitter and someone that can actually write code. Now, if you, if you run into a bullshitter, they're gonna hit you with every buzzword and they might be like me. They might be reading Hacker News all day. You might be reading the same stuff. And then when you try and quiz them, hey, have you heard about, uh, have you heard about these new i7-8700K processors? Yeah, I heard they overclock 5.1 gigahertz on air at 1.3 volts, you know, max out on a D15 cooler at about 87 Fahrenheit, 87 Celsius rather. Yeah, but what sucks is they don't have that many memory lanes, PCIe lanes. So they only dedicate like 32 uh, PCIe 3.0 lanes to both video cards. And then, you know, anything that you, you can't even use all your SATA ports if you turn on certain M2 drives. Like I could get on, like I could just talk to you all day long about server hardware and bandwidth and double versus quad RAM lanes and all this stuff, right? But that doesn't mean you can write software. So FizzBuzz is a way to tell whether someone can really write software. And it's very simple. So I want you to create a list from the number one to 100. And for everything that's a multiple of three, I want you to write Fizz. For everything that's multiple of five, I want you to write Buzz. And for everything that's multiple of 15, or three and five, as it is commonly phrased, I want you to write FizzBuzz. Then as you look into the problem, you discover that, you know, everything that's a multiple of three and five is also a multiple of 15. And then that's a little trick you can use to make your code more efficient. Uh, and then there's ways to do it with whiles. There's a way to do it with ifs. There's, there's, you know, many, many different ways to skin the cat of generating a list from one to a hundred that says, you know, one, two, fizz, four, buzz, right? You could li literally actually just print it out manually if you wanted to like cheat a little bit and just do it in your head and be like, yeah, print that, right? So FizzBuzz basically is what the industry standard is for trying to tell the difference between someone that's a bullshitter and someone that can actually write code. Because if you can't write code that does that, you're not a programmer. You're not a software developer. You need to go back to school, period, right? And a very large portion of people will fail that first question off the bat. What's wrong with Richard Stream? I don't know, nothing. Thoughts on Austrian economics? I don't know. It's it's an economic system. They both they all work, right? It's like thoughts on t-shirts. They all work. It's just another it's just another model which focuses on higher interest rates and savings 
whereas the Keynesian model focuses on lower interest rates and maximum GDP growth. So Keynesian economics is going to give you overall more GDP with more booms and busts, and Austrian economics is going to give you lower GDP growth. However, in theory, it should have less boom and bust cycles. It's just been so long since anyone's even tried to have a inflation-free monetary environment that we don't really know what the result of Austrian economics would look like. It might do the deflation death spiral crap. Probably wouldn't, but I mean, the question is who's going to be the first to eat austerity and implement uh, a big tightening of the belt? You, the, you can't do it as a politician because you'll get fired, right? So like how well did austerity work out for Greece? Not very well. So I, I don't, as much as my audience is libertarian, Bitcoin maximalists, uh, I'm not sure that Austrian economics would be effective compared to Keynesian economics in this system. I guess we'll know once Bitcoin becomes popular enough with its very low inflation rate, uh, which you know is single digits, low single digits. I guess we'll find out how it works, right? As we take over national currencies, I hope. Somebody asked, do I think white people are smarter? Well, I think you can test whether people are smart or not. And I don't think white people test the highest. I think Chinese girls just the high, uh, test the highest. So if you want to be a race oriented person, you know, I'm not sure why you would want to do that because the least important part of a person is the light they reflect. So, you know, I care about utility. I care about meritocracy. If you were a blob that lived in a jar and smelled funny, as long as you and I could work well together and create something beautiful, I wouldn't mind. Like, this is my blob jar of effectiveness. It's named Sam. Hi, Sam. Like, I don't care, right? I don't care what light you reflect. Or don't. I don't care if you're invisible. You don't, you don't have to reflect light at all. So I guess I'll show you guys a, a funny little hacker keyboard. So this is an IBM Model M. And it's a very unique little keyboard. It's very loud. So this is called a buckling spring keyboard because inside of these keys is a little cylinder of plastic and there's a spring in it. And when you push it so far, it buckles and makes a, a very tactile sensation. Now the downside to an IBM Model M is the keys are very heavy, about 75 grams, and your neighbors are going to hate you. The upside is they're invincible and they actually use a PS2 connector, which I love because it's uh, infinite key rollover. It doesn't have a, a sampling frequency like a normal keyboard. So it, when you press these keys, you get instant response and you can press as many as you want. Your computer can tell what you're pressing and you never have to like unplug it and replug it to reset your USB connection because the PS2 um, like interface boots up before like any of the USB stuff. So it'll, it'll always work and it'll have the lowest latency. And uh, like I said, infinite key rollover. Whereas like an a gaming keyboard today I might have 11 or 14 key rollover or something like that. So I guess I could type to you guys and chat with this fancy keyboard here. This one actually has a speaker on it, which, you know, I'd have to custom do. It's got this flexible cable, which is just fantastic. And this, you know, detaches. This has to weigh five pounds. I think this has to weigh at least what a 15 inch laptop would weigh. Let's give it a try. Yeah, if you try and like use this keyboard next to your workmates, they're going to be very upset with you. Now you could actually hack this to be quieter. Um, you can insert, uh, I don't remember whether it's velvet or some type of floss, but you can actually uh, make the spring act differently. And then it's a little quieter. I have a, a version, they make a version of this that doesn't use a mechanical contact for key sensing. They make one that's capacitive. Um, it's called a Model F 
and they're rarer and harder to come by. They also make another one that's even better than the buckling spring or the capacitive. It's called a beam spring. Uh, and then if you're going to go down that rabbit hole of like different switches, you're going to get into Hall effect, which detects uh, magnetism, movement of magnetism. And those are rated for like a billion uses or something. So you could get these really old Russian keyboards that, uh, that have that kind of stuff. This is a nice keyboard. I, I'm more partial to the, the capacitive ones myself. So I'm more of a Topre switch guy, which is a rubber dome with uh, a, a spring inside it. But the spring is just used for uh, sensing capacitance. It's not, it's like when you go through the metal detector in, a, in an airport, it's not, it's not sensing ferrous magnetic material. It's actually sensing electrical conductivity. So, you know, you can't go through with like an aluminum knife and not get caught because aluminum is not magnetic. You would, you would still get caught because it conducts electricity. It's pretty interesting. People in chat are talking about keywords. I see how I hit a question mark and shift with both my right finger. That's a mistake. I should have hit shift with my left finger and question mark with my right finger. So even typing 116 words a minute, which I do, I can still do it better, right? Practice makes perfect. One day the computer will understand speech at about 200, 220 words, normal spoken rate in English, in which case, uh, some normal, talking text like we're doing in chat here. It's not going to matter as much. Bitcoin predictions end of year, $20,000 and three cents is my bet. And I think we're coming up quickly on my 6k estimate. And I think we're at 4,500 today. So it's not that bad. 50% rise once Wall Street gets in. I'm happy with it. So I'm happy with that call. I just think we'll dip till midweek next week because Chinese holidays and Ledger X not turning on at the quickest possible moment. I, I seem to be the only guy that cares about Ledger X. I might be totally wrong about that. They might not actually ramp up fast. So, I mean, I've heard a rumor that they're going to slow start. So whatever that means. So maybe, maybe they don't want to risk opening up full blast and they do a slow start thing. In which case, you know, I guess that supports the dip even more or even, you know, it's hard to know what everyone else is thinking, right? What do I think about the ThinkPad 25th anniversary edition? Some people say it's got a better keyboard in it. It's better than the chiclet style that they have uh, now. I think more LED lights is cool. If you don't like them, you can always tape them. So I, I like LED indicators that are functional and useful. Uh, you know, it's still top tier hardware. I mean, it's a seventh series Intel CPU and they don't really have eighth series out uh, in laptops yet. So not to any large scale. So like, yeah, I think it should be pretty cool. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think you really, if you're already on a good ThinkPad, you probably don't need to worry about transitioning to it. But if you were thinking about getting a new laptop, I believe ThinkPads are the best, uh, laptops for the windows ecosystem and maybe more. I mean, they've got great keyboards. I absolutely love the, the clit in the middle. It's just called a trackpad. It's also called a, a lot of nicknames for it. So I'm, I'm a big uh, fan of the Lenovo computers and it's nice to not have to be a generation or two behind using the Apple, Apple hardware. You know, Apple is always at least one generation behind uh, on hardware because they have a slower iterative cycle. And you know, eh, I'm a PC guy. Can we talk about the advantages and disadvantages of generalism? Uh, generalism for most people is a terrible failure. Uh, all the profit in the world is paid to those that dig the deepest. You know, if you get fourth place in the Olympics, no one knows you were there. But if you get first, second, or third, you're real popular and probably real wealthy. So that difference between third and fourth is everything. So if you, if you realize that we're unfairly rewarding to those that are outstanding, then it's very intelligent to trade breadth of knowledge for depth of knowledge. And it's the same with software development. 
You know, don't learn a language just to learn the language. Do a thing and learn what you need to to do that thing. And then you won't have wasted time learning shit you didn't need, right? So I'm a big, big fan of learning and a pull system. I pull in what I need to know. I don't learn more than I need to. Well, I mean, in theory, in actuality, I, I'm an idiot and I just spend all day reading everything and it's inefficient. I'm transitioning out of that. I'm doing evergreen content. You know, this video will be on the internet for 100 years, I hope. So evergreen content, evergreen building, things that work while you're sleeping, that's what I'm trying to focus on. Uh, scale, right? Working with the right team. Those things matter infinitely more than adding another thing to my to-do list that I don't do, right? Or uh, doing things which don't have scale outside myself. So I could learn how to left shift, left pinky, and question mark right pinky. I could practice that. But wouldn't it be better if I built something amazing that people could use? You know, something that, something that takes my time that just helps me is rather greedy and not serving of the world. And I should serve. Right? I, I stand on the backs of giants. Like I didn't invent this language. I didn't pave the streets. I didn't build the buildings. I didn't set up the power grid. You know, everything that I have that makes life really, really good for the most part came from other people's effort. And I believe that it's your duty to fulfill the wishes of your ancestors and fulfill the, the dreams and ambitions of all those that died for you to have the great life that you do have in the West, at least, you know, don't be a lazy piece of shit and waste your life away playing games and doing drugs and, and living a life of distraction and diversion. Work hard, do the hard thing first, do things that have lasting value, care about what your fellow man thinks. Not all of them, you know, there's a lot of idiots out there. What your team thinks, care about what they want, right? And then if you gotta upgrade teams, that's normal too. You know, you're not, if you're growing, People grow at different rates. So any group of people that has members that are growing, some people are going to outgrow, period. Some people are going to revert and it become worse. So you shouldn't be in a specific peer group for an unreasonably long of time, a uh, long period of time. I mean, unless everyone's growing at the same rate, which would be very different, very odd. I think a lot of people give up on growth. I don't. Uh, I like it. Longevity is important. Yeah, that's the end game, right? If you have more time, you can fix everything. But if you run out of time, you can't fix anything. You know, a lot of people talk about the environment. You know, the environment's gonna be destroyed by a meteor unless we, the humans, go and grab the meteor and shift it a little bit to miss the earth, period. So people, people are willing to sacrifice short or midterm progress for maybe a couple degrees of temperature. It worries me a little bit because we could buy those degrees, like depends on whether the ice sheets, like the, it's so complicated. Um, the moral of the story is if we had more people instead of less, we could make more progress faster. And technology is the only thing that'll save this planet. There will be a meteor. It will extinct everything that is here. 99.9% .9 of everything that has ever existed is permanently extinct. And so if you don't want humanity to be one of that 99.9, .9, and you don't want all the beautiful animals that are here to be part of that 99.9 .9 permanently extinct, we need more technology. We need more progress, we need more science. Uh, the token thing I'm working on helps that. Like if you go and search SpaceX and search SpaceX CFD, they can't build rockets and uh, modules to land on other planets without modeling how those are gonna be affected by temperature, wind, uh, you know, they can't even get their engines to, to fire without vibrating and exploding without modeling all that stuff. So better computer models, let us build better things in the real world to do crazy stuff, like go to Mars. Now, I don't particularly like the Mars idea, I'd rather we invest in longevity, but if it's Mars or nothing, I'll take Mars. And most people focus on nothing. Rate my sandwich apps, right? So. I'm, I'm glad to be part of a project that should make the world a much, much better place. Uh, you should try and make the world a better place too, because you live here and whatever you build technology-wise should last for the rest of time. But your typing skill and your fashion sense, 
I'm not sure that it's going to last the test of time. I don't think it scales as well. So if you want to have impact and, and make a difference and matter, cure stuff, build stuff, that's the highest and best use of a human being, you know, to, to heal everyone, to make our lives better. All right. So you guys got any other smart people questions? Somebody says, I am great, but it's spelled like a cheese grater. <laughs> Thank you anyway. I'm going to take that as a compliment. We have here, don't you think you'll be made obsolete by AI? I look forward to having that problem. I know I'll be made obsolete by a slow whimpering death, by not putting up a fight against the Reaper who killed everyone else in my family tree, all of them, right? My grandparents are all dead and I didn't do anything to help them. And that's a tragedy because I could have. Maybe my parents will die soon. Didn't do much for them. Maybe my closer family will start dying soon. You know, at what point are you going to step up and be like, you know what, we can do something about this. We can fight this, right? So for me, it's now. I'm stepping up now. And I've been leading my way towards this for, I guess, my first anti-aging, like, support the Methuselah Foundation video was 2006, right? And now it's 2017. It's like 11 years ago. Um, it's, uh, you got to have free time to do it, right? So you can either lower your standards and work less hours and pay, get paid less or just make so much money that you feel more free. You know, if I had even more money, I would hire five ghostwriters, have them each do a version of the book to a different vertical demographic, right? Like this is SciVive for hippies and this is SciVive for business freaks and this is SciVives for stay-at-home moms. And then we would segment down each vertical. Some of the books would suck. Some of them would be good. And right now I have no book. I have 250,000 words of an outline, which is, if written into book form, probably six, seven books. Uh, and I, I need to do token stuff now because it's the time. And if token stuff works out, you're going to see seven books. It's going to be great. Somebody says, my goal was only to get rich, get lit, and get laid. Wish I thought about it a little more, lol, need more time. Yeah, I mean, look, with more time, we can do a lot of really cool things. Does rich people feel happy? It maxes out at about 75,000 a year in the US. Once you make over 75K, uh, you don't get happier that much. You know, you know it's, it's whatever. I mean, think about it. Like, if you're eating in the same restaurants, you're watching the same TV shows, you're using the same blankets, what's the extra money for? I mean, you can't really turn it into utility. I mean, I have a better monitor and computer and work setup than anyone I've ever seen. It doesn't cost that much. I mean, you got the absolute best of everything for 30 grand. I mean, if you want to really max out your computer, like, I guess you could call it 50 grand. And then, so like, if you want to dump 50 grand, you'd have the best everything. Um, you know, unless you wanted to own the house it was in, that would cost a lot more. All right, so I hope I've answered the question, should you become a programmer? I think half you guys are already programmers, so maybe there's only one or two people that really needed to hear this stuff. And uh, now you know a little bit more about the IBM Model M. Yay. This doesn't have a pointer on it. I do have an IBM laptop like this that does have a pointer, but it's rubber domes. It's not uh, buckling springs. I think it's called M13. Uh, what are my thoughts on Nick Zabo writing about the social scalability of Bitcoin? Oh, Nick's super smart. But like, you know, Nick being super smart doesn't buy Super Bowl ads, does it? And writing about the scalability of Bitcoin doesn't buy Super Bowl ads, does it? So I don't really give a shit uh, about people talking about the goodness of Bitcoin. I need to see ads. So if one of you guys wants to go do a little startup, buys Bitcoin ads based on enough people locking up funds to do it, go call all the whales, get them to lock up their funds in a multi-sig. And then once the multi-sig triggers uh, that everyone joined in, then uh, the, the ads get bought, right? And you could choose five or six uh, marketing companies, public relations companies to handle the media buys. I'll write the damn ads for free. I'm a copywriter, no problem. Uh, but I don't own enough Bitcoin to be able to pull up that whole market and do it at 
a cost basis that would allow me to do it again, right? I would lose so much money on the behavior that I can't support doing it. If I had a much larger percentage of the ecosystem and could team up with other guys that did, then you could afford to advertise against all the other garbage that is actually advertising, right? Like OneCoin, OneCoin stole a lot of people's money because Bitcoin didn't buy any ads, right? Because for some reason, uh, <laughs> nobody uh, is working on that. It's a, it's a literal tragedy. It's very stupid. People always ask, how many BTC do I have? Don't worry about it. Uh, Richard Hart always has the best swag. Thanks for the content. Looking forward to my token. Thank you, sir. Uh, so I buy a book and get QR code inside with 50 tokens. Yeah, I've thought about ways to incentivize book purchasing and community membership. Tokens is one of them, but you run into an issue printing a separate token per book and having them fall out. It's uh, it's a little bit harder than, than first glance would tell you. Wow, that audio quality drops off axis. Oh shit, sorry about that. It's a cardioid mic. You can look up the SM7B and see the dispersion graph. I guess it's not dispersion because it's receiving sound, but the sensitivity graph. Uh, reading the chat here. Light the red candles. Nah, I don't feel like changing them. I don't think Bitcoin would benefit from a different governance model involving voting by funds because most people are not qualified to decide properly on the technical decisions that would come up. So understanding economics doesn't mean that you understand consensus network failure and how that failure looks, right? So unless you've actually run experiments on a consensus network, you don't know how they fail, right? Oh, our nodes are banning each other. Oh, every block's getting orphaned. Oh, uh, on down the list, right? So unless you've truly experimented with how these things break, the chance that you break it is much higher than the chance that you improve it. Just like the reason we have in medicine, Hippocratic Oath, which states, first do no harm, because it's much easier to do harm than it is to do not harm. So I, I don't support idiots voting on things they're not qualified to vote on, which is why if you watch my politics video, I support voting tests. They're dangerous. However, they work everywhere else. So as long as you can get the test right, they should work there too. You know, Jim Crow was a long time ago. The problem with the wealth gap, you're never going to get rid of the wealth gap ever. You wouldn't want to live in a world without a wealth gap. That that's not happening. Um, yeah, don't, don't want it. It's not good. It'd be like, when are we going to live in a world where everyone speaks English exactly as well? Nope, that ain't going to happen. When are we going to live in a world where everyone looks exactly the same amount of good? Nope. When are we going to live in a world where everyone's the same height? Nope. Like, it's a stupid, retarded question. Like, why, why are you, <laughs> you don't want to live in that world, dude. Believe me. By the way, aren't these candles great? I'm sweating a whole lot less because of uh, old school technology. You know, this is one of those things that uh, people forget about, but it is better. You know, when I go into the public and uh, I move around, I can see motion very quickly. So I can tell whether they're LED lights or not because I see my hand chopping as it moves. So this is, to me, very fluid because it's an analog light with no pulse width modulation. But when I go to, you know, stores to buy stuff, God, the chopping is terrible. You know, you go to try and some sunglasses, you're like, cluck, 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 cluck. Like, damn, doesn't this bother anybody else, right? So they're color inaccurate, they're uh, phase inaccurate. I don't think phase was the right word. Their time domain is choppy. All right, so even though it's cool, it's still a little hot in this beautiful peacock jacket. Notice blue, green, orange. 
blue, green, orange, style, fashion, right? Actually, this is actually blue and orange too. Gold and orange are very related. All right, your guys' questions were awesome. Thank you so much for stopping by. The next time someone asks me some type of smart question, I'll probably answer it in this candlelight, longer, forever lasting format because why if I if I answer this question now, the next time someone asks, I can just link them, right? Which is pretty cool. I'll drop a chat link to uh, the Telegram and the Discord, which is where we chat all day, every day. Mostly crypto stuff, some politics stuff, some fitness stuff, you know. Um, we, our rules basically are high signal to noise. It's gotta be funny, smart, sexy, or make you money. And since we're all dudes, for the most part, we got a nice lady named Ruth who's a mod, and uh, we got uh, Beauty Bubble. We got a couple nice ladies in there, but mostly dudes. So, if you dudes want to talk about fitness and fighting and cars and all the stuff dudes mostly like to talk about and is on the covers of Dudes magazines, it's an all right spot. So, that's the Telegram link, and now I'm going to drop in the Discord link. I think I'm going to end up having a a chat on every platform because yeah um, different platforms work better than other ones for different stuff so there's discord there's the uh, telegram one day there'll probably be some other forms it's good talking to you guys keep it real work hard trade width for depth uh, learn lisp <laughs> fight the good fight uh yeah i guess that's it now i have to search for the stop button <laughs>